Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball. Kind of whenever I'm your host, Chris Johnson, over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing very well today. Uh, we got a we got an interesting show today. We have a very controversial take that came up in my mind, and uh, among some other things, we got some very cool All Star Game news, like forty five hour forty five minutes ago, maybe an hour ago, uh, which I'm very happy about, and I'm excited to get into everything today. Yeah, yeah. You you labeled the uh, random thought as an intrusive thought. Um, yes. Which uh, I think that's a good description. I, I like it. I think it's a good. I think it's a good topic of discussion for sure. Even if it's random, I think it's uh, I think it's it's fun random, to talk and it's about. also going to be like, it's going it, to, people are going to take it out of context for sure. Yes, but um, we'll we'll address what we actually mean by it when we get there. Right, so that's right. A, that's a tease. Stay tuned. Yes. Um. Okay. So, first of all, we will uh, we will start off by talking about a uh, a sliding team, a team that. Uh, is doing is not meeting expectations in, in 2022 so far and that's been emphasized in the last about three weeks um i would say uh they've lost 13 of their last 17 before that they were kind of on track of what they were supposed to do they were 10 games above 500 but now they're 41 and 40 after going uh four and nine in their last or no uh four and 13 in their last 17 uh, the San Francisco Giants uh, have been sliding. Uh, it doesn't really matter who they've been facing. Uh, you know, I know they got swept by the swept by the White Sox. Uh, they lost a series to the Diamondbacks. Um, you know, they just haven't been uh, the same this year, and they've been particularly bad uh, over the past three weeks. <clears throat> yeah, they've, this has been a very inconsistent team throughout the year. Uh, I know the offense, and you, I'm sure you have some numbers on this, but the offense has been particularly at fault. At least as of very recently, I saw a stat on MLB Network about how they'd scored like some just crazy amount of small amount of runs during a losing streak or whatever. Um, But yeah, I mean, this is not the first slide that the team has had all year. They had one probably like a month ago or so. Maybe it was in like late May. But yeah, if they're 41 and 40 and it's just been it's been very inconsistent. I mean, there's really no other way of, of looking at it right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's kind of the opposite of what they were doing last year, where like they were like the most consistent and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the the Dodgers could win, you know, like 12 out of 13 and the Giants were just staying up in that uh, up up, uh, at the top of the NL West um, in a very random way, too, by the way. No one expected them to be there. so obviously they had they had uh, higher expectations this year. They're not meeting them. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, to break it down statistically, since this the start of this slide, which is June nineteenth, 
Uh, the Giants have an 89 weighted runs created plus, which ranks uh, 25th in all of baseball in the span. Um, they are 28th in position player F4. They have the worst defensive runs above average. Uh, I highlighted the Giants defense as a whole as a slightly alarming um, couple episodes ago. Uh, they've transformed from last year being a top five defense to being now uh, one of the two worst defenses in all of baseball, um, which it's almost inexplicable. You don't really know. They, they didn't lose anybody uh, on the d- defensive side. Everyone's just gotten worse, which is odd. And uh, as a result of this, the team has a 4.67 ERA and a 3.73 uh, FIP in this uh, in this 17 game span. Um, it's it's very hard to explain. Fronts. It's just so hard to explain. Like you know, you put out the same team, and I feel like this is almost kind of just like what most of the baseball world expected of them last year. And there were some people that said they were going to hover hover 500 this year, coming up of a 107 win season, but. Yeah, I mean, like, just the way that it's happened has been very concerning. Um, you know, everyone is just kind of underperforming except for Jock Peterson, who even still has a 0.6 B war. He's 12th on the team. Hmm. Like, he's been, Jock Peterson has been carrying the whole offense with a 144 OPS plus. He's probably going to be a starting outfielder for the National League in the All-Star game. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, just going through some names, like Brandon Belt's, who was my Giants player to watch and had been one of the best sluggers in the league since middle of 2020. It's currently sitting at a 666 OPS. It's very uh, satanic. Oh yeah. 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 89 <laughs> also, OPS plus. Also in, uh, in his going, you know, in his, in his last uh, or in the Giants last 17 games, he said he'd 100 with a 300 OPS. So he's particularly oh. been bad in the stretch. Exactly. 100 with a 300 OPS. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Brandon Crawford just came off the IL, but he has a 669 OPS. So he's, yeah. I mean, just barely better. Evan Longoria was doing all right, but he's on the IL. They have been hurt by injuries. Kirk Casale is hurt. Uh, I mean, Tyro Estrada is now hurt. He was doing okay for them. Uh, but, I mean, like, there's also just been a lot of underperformance, right? I mean – Darren Ruff and 97. It's, it's weird to talk about Darren Ruff as an underperformer because he came out of nowhere basically two years ago. Yeah. But he is a he is a sub 700 OPS. Joey Bart has a 603 OPS when a lot of people were hoping maybe he would break out. Lamont Wade Jr., another guy who came out of nowhere last year, is only at a 683 OPS plus or OPS. Yeah, 683 OPS plus. He's <laughs> uh, he is a 3000 OPS. <laughs> Yeah, very disappointing. Uh, Mikey Stremski has been okay on the offensive side. Defensively, I know it's been a different story. Tommy Lastella also, uh, you know, he's not a guy where you look at and think of PS, but he's only hitting 241. So naturally, he's going to have a 656 OPS to go with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, offense has been a, a concern. And, you know, I, th- I think everyone knew they, they overperformed last year, but I don't think. I don't think people, you know, the general perspectives of baseball was thinking, you know, we kind of we, we kind of underestimated them last year. Um, so, you know, let's not underestimate them again. They're probably going to be a playoff team this year. Um, and, you know, I don't think anyone was was thinking that Brandon Crawford was going to 
you know, be a guy that was 10% below league average offensively or, no. you I know, mean, maybe, the, you know, maybe you're not thinking he's a guy that finishes fourth in the MVP voting, but yeah, but yeah, I don't think you're thinking that yeah. either. Um, yeah, you know, I don't, it, it, it's just a very drastic change from, yeah, Brandon Crawford, also Brandon Belt, um, has had a, a pretty drastic change this year. Uh, and yeah, Darren Ruff has been significantly worse uh, offensively. There's such an easy pun you can make there that I, I think he, he, it's been pretty rough for him this year. <laughs> um, I just pulled up a hell of a stat. I, I, I can't wait. So I mentioned this guy earlier, but there have been three seasons in baseball history since 1871 with a 140 OPS plus or higher, at least 250 plate appearances, and a wins above replacement below 1.0. They are uh, Jim Holdsworth in 1874 for the Philadelphia, is it the Phillies? What was the Philadelphia team in 1874? The Philadelphia Whites. Ah. That was probably a racially motivated name. Yeah. Uh, there was a much more recent name in Adam Dunn, which I guess it may only makes sense that he's on there in 2009. And then Jock Peterson in 2022. Gotta love that. One of, um, I mean, it, it probably won't stand, but A, because, I mean, it's hard to imagine he'd actually accumulate a 144 OPS plus and sub one war this year but as it stands right now a very weird season yeah it is weird because also i think i think his f war is like a good amount different if i remember it should correctly. be yeah i'm looking at the i'm looking at the data right now it's like You're one consulting of those, the uh, data sheet investigative shows uh, 1.4 F4, so it has more than double the F4. Much, yeah, I mean, it's still not great for a 144 OPS plus, but yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's acceptable. Still underperforming that, but you know, you, we know Jock Peterson's like defense isn't his strength, but I don't think it pulls him back that much on the baseball reference. Wins I'm gonna, I feel like I should, uh, whatever. I'll hold off on, on tweeting that stat. Maybe I'll, I'll wait for him to reach 250 plate appearances because he's at 244 right now. Yeah. And that, I mean, he's at, he's at 144. So I don't think, by the way, Adam done that year, a, a 928 OPS negative 0.4 B war. Um, this is very funny. A, a nine what OPS? 28. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. 398 um, OBP. 529 slugging 267 average it's not like he was hitting like sub 200 yeah uh he had 100 uh 177 strikeouts 116 walks uh a d war of minus 5.2 <laughs> yeah i, I, I think mean, it's yeah. like i think it is i think i've looked probably back in pandemic i was like curious of like what the worst defensive seasons were and yeah i think that that might have been it it was yeah. negative negative five d war i mean nothing like a guy playing in the national league who is the most dh person of all time yeah you know of course before 2022 yeah or exactly. just not in 2020 yeah going back to jock peterson he is uh i looked at his savant he has negative four outs above average which is it's not good but it's it's not something that should pull his wins above replacement back like crazy 
Um, it's also going... it's also like isn't it half UZR and half like outs above average now? Um, because I know yeah, that well, the defensive outs... component isn't entirely OAA for like range and like get and like catching balls. It's outs above average, and then for uh R like the arm use, it's uh UZR. That's so stupid. UZR well, is literally ultimate zone rating. Why are they reusing range for something else? Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know. I th- it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think UZR has some type of arm component, which is it must, which is good. Because, it makes like, sense that OAA might not. Yeah, outs above average doesn't. I th- yeah, but I think I can't for infield, imagine. for infield, it might. Um, if I've read that correctly, that makes more sense because like. I mean, you know, outfield assists are the more highlighted plays, but like infielders use their arms a lot more. Yeah, and also it can it can make a it can make or break an out much. Because I remember often. there were people that were like, "O'Neill Cruz should be moved to the outfield." Because just imagine that arm from center field. It's like, no, actually, imagine <laughs> it at shortstop where he's going to make three times the amount of throws. Yeah, imagine. Yeah, imagine him, a hundred ten feet from first base. He's got to get this bang bang play. He's gonna yeah. get it every time. Um, yeah. Versus and, versus like maybe one close play every game in the outfield. Yeah, true. Like sure, true, the true, highlight true. plays would be there, but we're looking quantity over quality here. And then he's just a liability with range in the outfield. Like exactly, he doesn't play it. <laughs> yeah, it's not like we can expect him to be able to you know track down. I mean, I guess we could maybe see him track down a, a ball because he's very fast, but. The root efficiency probably not going to be there. Yeah, but going back to the Giants, their pitching hasn't even been bad, especially peripherally. Uh, they have their p- pitching staff as a whole has a three four three FIP. Um, going just going down the line, start like starting pitching wise, Logan Webb at a three oh nine FIP. He's actually got a two nine eight ERA too. He's uh he's doing what he's been expected to do. Uh Carlos Rodon, he has a two two three fifth. I think that might that might lead the National League. Uh I forget if that does. Um, I'm just gonna click on his page real quick to make sure. And yeah, it does lead the National League. Um, so he's been spectacular, spectacular addition for uh the Giants. I think it makes up for them not getting uh, Kevin Gossman back. Um then uh, you know, Alex Wood, three four three fifth. Alex Cobb, he's been he's had a tragic season. He's at a three oh seven fifth. It's just that the defense is much different than it than it was last year, and uh, and like so, you know, in terms of what you can mark the Giants' changes to, like from a one hundred seven win team to a team that's hovering five hundred right now, it's it's purely hitting and um hitting and defense the pitching has kind of stayed the same i should see what their fip was last year because yes uh i mean the fip last year was probably fine i would it was probably one of the better ones i would bet it was like worse than it is this year um it was three five five so yeah it was uh, a little worse probably you know the baseballs are a little different this year, so I guess that's part of it. But X FIP definitely different this year. Yeah. So like, <laughs> you know, but I guess the point is the 
the Giants peripherally are pitching about the same as they were last year, but it's garnering a much different ERA. Last year, their team ERA was 3-2-4. This year, it's over four. And uh, I think eyes are pointing towards the defense. Um, they've just, uh, as of as of my slightly alarming last year, they were second worst. They had the second worst outs above average. Mm-hmm. And also in this span, in the span where they're losing 13 out of 17, the, they, their team defensive runs above average is flat out the worst. Yes. Um, so, um, and I think, yeah, you said Brandon Crawford was on the IL. He just came off, yeah. Yeah, so I guess that has a little bit to do with it. He's a, you know, he's he's been one of the better defensive shortstops for a while, but, you know, even he, even he was having a rough season um, up to that IL stint, which – you could maybe point to the inner injury for that, but um, yeah, still overall, the team has just been rough defensively and uh, worse, worse offensively in general. Uh, any more thoughts on the giants? I mean, I like, we had this conversation after they got eliminated last year in the NLDS, but Hello. Do we want to say that you can inflax Fluka 107 win season? Because I've yet. But like, I'd say, I'd say it has to take like by this year because the Giants have a history of having great seasons and then not making the playoffs. Like, you know, 2011, 13, and 15, all three of those years they missed the playoffs. But I don't know. I think we're very close to saying it is in fact possible to Fluka 107 win season. Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah I, well it depends on what degree like i don't think you it's can so go, weird i don't think you can go from a 107 win season to a uh 65 win season because you know yeah. giants are going to do that but yeah you can i mean it's from, not impossible but yeah i mean look at the you know 2018 red sox they went 108 wins to 84 wins that's true same thing sort of happening right now um yeah, i mean the giants are on pace for slightly less but yeah. I mean, who says, but like, what if they have a, you know, a big July slide or an August slide or a September slide and they end up with 70 something wins, 74 wins. Yeah. I, I, then I, I can't put it past them. Like, yeah, well, you know, what we saw with the giants last year was a lot of semi career years from guys who shouldn't have been having career years or like, you know, based on age should not have been having career years you know example number one is brandon crawford then you have brandon bell yes um and and you know there were yeah there were some guys overperforming on the pitching staff like you know anthony descalfani having a low three zra um alex wood as well yeah like uh and that's like the volume of guys that were doing it is the reason we said it couldn't have been a fluke like there's no way all of them happened to have been doing it at the same time like they had to have been doing something not cheating but like they had to have been you know they had something figured out in there yeah and, they, they and there were a lot of, of there were there were a lot of stories on you know the the giants coaching staff they had a very young very mm-hmm. smart coaching staff that was just looking at things very differently and we you know could have pointed to that not you know 
it's likely that they haven't gotten worse, but it's just, you know. I remember. Right. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Kevin Gosman, you know, went to the Blue Jays and in an interview said the goal for the pitching staff is to have a K minus walk rate of 19 because every team that has a K minus walk rate of 19 makes the playoffs. And I checked and out of every team since like 2017 that's had that, the only one that didn't make the playoffs was the 2019 Cleveland Indians who won 93 games. Yeah. And like, I'm sure I'd be willing to bet that's. San Francisco, something that was pressed there and something that was learned in Houston. I would say his experience in San Francisco at the very least influenced that philosophy of his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that would make a lot of, that would make a lot of sense. I mean, I think uh, when I, when I talked about the, um, the Giants uh, pitching staff last year, I think from 2020 to 2021 their ground ball rate went from like 28th to third and they just switched their pitching philosophy up completely um and you know kevin kevin gosman was a was a part of that and you know as a result uh, he's on a splitter yeah like last year he finished what six in the cy young somewhere around there yeah um so yeah, and he he turned his he, he turned his career around in San Francisco. He wouldn't have gotten hundred ten million dollars if if not for San Francisco. Um, so yeah, like uh, it it made so yeah, there were there were a lot of guys having their careers being turned around last year and maybe you know a year before that in San Francisco. So it made sense to make to see that oh maybe this could be sustainable. I'm not you know. They're, they've had a bad stretch. I think they can get back on track, but you know, 107 wins. It was clear that that was uh, an overperformance mm-hmm. last year. Um. All right. Uh, Let's talk about the wholesome news of today. Yeah, I think I think we should that. save the the big topic for last. Okay, that sounds good. Um. So yeah, wholesome news. I, I actually hadn't seen this. Uh, do you want to introduce it? Yeah, so I think it was Ken Rosenthal wrote the other day that there was a clause in the new CBA that could allow the commissioner to pick one all-star from each league based on, like, circumstances. Like, essentially, if it's, a you know, a legend going out that probably wouldn't make it otherwise. And he's going to enforce that this year with Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera making the all-star teams. I think this is a cool thing. Um, I think as long as it's not, like, taking away a roster spot from someone else i think it's very cool especially with cabrera because i think there's i don't think there's any reason to believe he's not going to be in the league next year pujols is definitely uh going out which is so weird because there's been very little to no coverage on albert pujols's retirement tour um yeah yeah oddly enough like on you know he's at this point he's probably not going to get to 700 home runs and that's whatever um but yeah, there's been very like this is a guy who's, I mean, just the fact that he's close to 700 home runs. That's only been done by, what three individuals. Um. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, 700 home runs. Yeah, it's been. Yeah. Yeah, it's been three guys. So I I don't understand the whole uh. Why why it hasn't been getting as much attention? Maybe it's just because he hasn't. He's playing a platoon role. Like I don't know. 
but it's just it is very strange yeah it's odd like i don't know he he um he's he's an all-time great and i think maybe maybe just because he hasn't been good in recent years and hasn't been in the playoffs yeah and like he hasn't been good in a while so like it's I guess. probably a factor of things. And not only that, but, like, he's never been the reason to go see a team. Like, when you were like when you were going to watch the Angels from, like, 2015 to 21, you're not there to watch Albert Pujols. We know why you're there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, come on. Like, um, uh, yeah. The Dodgers last year, same thing. And even to a degree, the Cardinals this year. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like um... – I think that has a factor because I, when I think of like um, great retirement tours that had a lot of media coverage, it's like it's, Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera, David Ortiz also. Those are the but, three. But like, uh, but yeah, like Jeter, at least I think 2013, he was injured, but 2012, he was an all-star. You know, he mm-hmm. had a 300 batting average. Mariano Rivera, Rivera till his last appearance was, um, he was always great. And, you know, David Ortiz during the 2016 season was maybe having his best offensive year ever. Yeah. So, like, but, like but, David Ortiz made the all-star team because he was the best DH. Yes. <laughs> it was very funny. Like, Derek Jeter got voted in, and I have no problem with that. Yeah. Mariano Rivera probably could have made it regardless. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, obviously he was handpicked because he's a pitcher. Yeah. Um, and Pujols doesn't really get that option like he hasn't been good enough to be voted in and also like voting against him means voting against like bryce harper yeah it's like well obviously because like you know like who are you really robbing if you're voting for david ortiz over someone else in 2016 at the same time who are you really robbing if you were voting for Derek jeter in 2014 like alexi ramirez was the guy who replaced him like i think we could survive yeah yeah without that yeah like uh yeah going back to the thing of why this hasn't been covered yeah i think just he hasn't been good in a while he hasn't given he hasn't given the fans a lot of like moments in a Mm -hmm. long time even his milestones like uh Mm -hmm. like his latest milestone was like 2000 rbis which happened in like 2019 and then before that it was 600 homers which happened in what 2018 2017 yeah you know it's 2018 3000 hits was also 2018 i believe yeah so like maybe it's a thing i guess i guess his most recent milestone is passing maze on the all-time list yeah but like he hasn't been which i think and i think that happened in 2020 so it's like you know there was no one there yeah he hasn't been at the forefront of baseball like of baseball talking points in a long time so maybe that's why he hasn't gotten as much media coverage which is a shame i wish it didn't have to be like that yeah exactly i mean and also you know, he's, he has an 80 ops plus this year yeah i mean he like the the three guys we talked about rivera jeter and and ortiz he had who has had a better career than all of them um so like uh you know it, it would be it would be cool if he was able to get uh some more media coverage but frozen hello yeah 
Um, by the way, Albert Pujols has not made the All-Star game since 2015. Uh, I mean, his baseball, his baseball reference page has become so sad, like when you look at the bottom half of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. But you know what? I'm glad that there won't be, will be one little uh, AS mark at the very bottom. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, yeah, and Pujols definitely, he should be there. It's his last year. Cabrera is interesting because his contract goes through, what, 23? But I've also seen people saying, uh, yes, it goes through 23. So he will have another chance. But I've also heard people saying he should just be the Tigers representative anyway, which I kind of disagree with. Uh, He's hitting 300 with a 718 OPS. That's good for a 108 OPS plus. Um, He has a 403 BABIP right now. Yeah, he does. Which is very funny. Yeah. It is. <laughs> but, I mean, if the Tigers were only going to have one representative, I, it should be Targ Skubal. I know that his ERA is a full run higher than his FIP, and they're not going to be like, oh, well, this guy's a four, four whatever ERA. Um, but I'm glad Cabrera's there. Like, why not? If Pujols is going to be there, why not just invite Mickey as well? Uh, yeah, true. And I guess, yeah. like, I, I guess if, if the commissioner is going to do this once every year, like, I feel like it, sh- it should just be an optional thing. I don't think he has to do it once every year, but I feel like if he obligatory put Cabrera in because he put Pujols in, I don't care. I mean, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah, I'm not losing any sleep over it. <laughs> yeah. um, I just hope, like I said, I just hope that it's not taking a roster spot away and they're just doing, like, 27-man rosters because of it or something. Right, right. Like, uh, yeah, I hope it's just an addition and not like some subtraction of someone who was definitely going to deserve uh, deserve their shine. Yeah, um, yeah Pujols, I'm, I'm definitely very, very glad that uh, they uh, that they added him in there because he deserves that, you know, last all star moment. You know, he'll probably get in that bat sometime in the late innings. Um, you know, get us. It'll be, a, you know, it'll be at his former home at Dodger Stadium. Yes, what he's what he's known for. <laughs> I wonder if the Tigers and Marlins are playing each other next year or this year. They have to be playing either this year or next year, right? Well, I, I believe um the AL schedule Central. changes next year, where every team faces every team. Wait, what? Yeah, I heard that on a on a on a Fox broadcast that the. CBA. I maybe we could pause this, but I, I like uh, every team, like as in every team faces every team. Yeah, that's what I heard on Fox. That's wild. Yeah. Does um, that mean like less divisional opponents? Because they were talking about shortening the season too. Like I don't know. I don't think that ever yeah, became they, a thing. They said. How is that not more of a storyline if that's true? They said that teams are going to face their divisional opponents fourteen times now. That's no way. Um, how MLB's new balanced, new balanced schedule, not new balance. Mm. Uh, MLB.com balanced schedule to bring more interleague games. MLB.com March 11, 2022 from Mark Feinstein, who okay. spoke in my sports writing class. Love yes. the guy. Um, teams will face their four divisional division opponents, 14 times each season, Seven home and seven away for a total of 56 games. They will also face 
the other 10 teams in their league six times a piece playing a three game set at each ballpark rather so no than... no four game series then yeah it sucks i don't know um, how i feel about that rather rather than 16 interleague games teams will have 46 such games on the schedule four against their geographical rival and three against the other 14 teams alternating ballparks annually what yeah what that is so weird yeah i like i don't know maybe so you're playing so you're telling me there's each team is gonna play four four game series a year um or five five four game series a year four versus the divisional opponents and one versus the geographical geographical rival which is very subjective to many teams yeah yeah like uh oh it's the it's the blue jays and the phillies yeah you gotta watch out for them yeah. there's they can't keep their the, the, that 1993 world series rivalry is really <laughs> brewing the mariners yeah. rockies once again fighting for who is the better team that hasn't won a world series <laughs> that's so weird i don't know how i feel about that yeah i i and don't it starts know next I year yeah it starts next year um yeah, uh, like, yeah, I felt weird about it when I heard about it because I don't know, like when when the you know when the Red Sox go to Wrigley, it's kind of like a special thing. It's like, oh wow, they they're yeah. going to Wrigley. It's what happens one out of every six years now, um, but now it's going to happen every other year. But I, I don't know. I guess it's good if if you're like a family want to travel to you know see your favorite team. That is fair. It's definitely know. good for it's definitely good for devoted fans of one particular team that wants to knock off like all 30 ballparks. Yeah. Hypothetically, um, you could do it in two years now while only seeing one team. But yeah, so so if that's gonna make West Coast and East Coast trips much more brutal for the East and West teams. Yeah, for sure. Like, like not only you know, like if you're the Yankees, not only do you have to go to Seattle, Anaheim, and Oakland every year, but you also have to go to Arizona. Every other year, LA, San Diego, like San Francisco. That's that's gonna be that's gonna make travel a lot worse. Yeah, this this story kind of got buried among all the other. That is very that CBA is a stuff. much bigger story than most that got like pushed. Yeah, and it's like if if there's gonna be forty six interleague games a year, um, and you know I. I guess I guess this is a whole different uh, story, but like if there's 46 interleague games a year, I don't see the point in. And if also there's the same rules in each league, I don't see the point in having like an AL and an NL MVP. If that if is a great fa- point, if they're all facing each other, that's a fair point. But also, I feel like just for you know what, I could see the league trying to push to take that out for bonus purposes. Uh yeah, owner owners especially. Like I would I would like to keep it just for more reasons to celebrate, more accomplishments and more talking points and like I don't know. I think I would rather keep it because then you probably have to do the same with Cy Young, rookie of the year. Oh yeah, and and they just Im- implemented that rookie of the year thing for uh yeah. time. Yep. Um so like Yeah, I mean the- I feel like if you take out MVP, you have to take out Cy Young and Rookie of the Year. Yeah. But so for the players' purposes, I would like to keep that in because it helps them out. Mm-hmm. However, like you know, there's a solid argument where if you're playing a quarter of your games 
against the other league, um, maybe there's less of a point. Because, I mean, like, you think about NFL, NBA, NHL, they don't have that system in place. Yeah. Um, I don't like that. Because they fit. Like maybe maybe my opinion will change next year, but wow. Um, yeah. Uh, it's gonna that's gonna make the weird matchups that we've been talking about on probable you know like the matchups of the week way less special it's like oh, dude no way we got twins diamondbacks this week like <laughs> nah, it's not gonna matter now yeah yeah that's um, unfortunate. well that that does mean that either way the tigers would have played the marlins next year i hope they play in miami so miguel cabrera could go back there one last time you know go back to the old marlin you know but go back to marlins park where he uh where he won the World Series. Yeah, they should just three, play it. and the home run sculpture was going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> they should just play at the Dolphin Stadium again. I agree. <laughs> the, the new one. Yeah. <laughs> just in that uh I, that always tickled me when I watched a football game and I saw the infield dirt. I don't think they have any of that anymore. No, because the last survivor was Oakland, but then they moved to Vegas. Yeah. That, that was always very funny to me. Um, well, I don't know. We we got to that from Pujols and Cabrera uh, getting into the All-Star game. But I don't know. That, that was a pretty fun topic to address. I like, mean, we ended up going off on a very long tangent. But either way, I mean, I don't think there's much to say other than this is pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a wholesome moment. Um, it's definitely like Albert Pujols deserves definitely deserves this like you know you know Jeter got voted in um he you know Jeter got voted in because it was going to be his last all-star game not because of uh you know the probably like 650 OPS he was sporting (laughs) um so you know Albert Pujols should should get this moment too and Chipper Jones got this moment too in in 2012 I don't think he was having a crazy good year you know, Albert Pujols. Cal Ripken Jr. got it in 01. Yeah. Albert Pujols is that is that caliber of player. I yeah. think he probably he probably has more wins above replacement than all the guys we just mentioned. Oh, absolutely. Um, at least on the baseball reference scale. I don't know about fan graphs. Um, but yeah. Uh, so good for those guys. Um, do we want to get into your intrusive thought? Yeah, I think we just do that and then uh, pitches to highlight or players to highlight. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, go I, saw, ahead. I saw a tweet yesterday that I sent to you, Chris, because I found it very ironic. It was talking about how uh, in his la- in the last two years of his major league career, Sandy Koufax uh, threw like 600 innings and had 54 complete games, and which was just amazing and won Cy Young Awards, MVP Awards, World Series and whatever. And he had 54 complete games in those two years. And the complete game leader this year is Sandy Alcantara with just two. And I don't know if this is the point, but it very much sounded like he was using Sandy Koufax as an example of how pitchers just aren't built the same way today. And if you know baseball history and you know Sandy Koufax, you know how horrifically ironic this is. Yes. Uh, he like, retired wow. at 30. Yeah, it was his last two years. Surely he must have been doing this at the ages of like 35 and 36. Yeah. <laughs> but no, and why did he retire at 30? We all know why. It was because his arm basically fell off from throwing so much. Yeah, like um, he, at his retirement speech, 
at his retirement speech, he was like, I'm doing this for my long-term health. Yeah. I don't want and my guess arm. What? I want to use my left arm in life. <laughs> and guess what? Sandy Koufax is, knock on wood, still walking this earth at the age of 86. With with his left arm. With his, yeah, funky, with his left funky. arm. He used it to clap for Walker Bueller at the 2018 World Series. Yeah. For sure. Um, but uh, anyway, wanna... yeah, so this, this got me into this intrusive thought. Sandy Alcantara is the closest thing to a workhorse in today's game. Uh, he is 123 innings pitched, and no one else is more than, I think, 111, which is Aaron Nola. He has thrown, I think, like, all each of his last, like, eight outings or something have been seven innings pitched or more, which is literally absurd. Yeah, from his last, his last 11 starts have been seven innings pitched, eight innings pitched, nine innings pitched, eight innings pitched, seven, nine, seven and two-thirds, eight, seven, nine, eight, which is unheard of in today's game. He's currently has a 182 ERA, a 285 FIP. Uh, he's been he's been the NL Cy Young front runner for a while now. And I had yeah. this thought that this I just want to say this is not a debate of if we're at this point right now. This is a debate of if we could eventually come to a point where we're having this conversation. If Sandy Alcantara does this level of dominance where he is pitching significantly more innings pitched than anyone else and is also, you know, one of the better pitchers in the league with run prevention and with, with control prevention for the next, like, 15 years, is he the best pitcher named Sandy of all time? Um, well, yeah, it's – uh, yeah, this this is a funny question. I, I was – Because, uh, like, he will never have a peak – as good as Sandy Koufax, but Sandy Koufax peak lasted, I'd say what six years. Yeah, sixty-one to sixty-six. Yeah, and especially sixty-three to sixty-six. <clears throat> he will never have a peak like that, where, I mean, Sandy Koufax at that point had a two-sixteen FIP and a what was his ERA plus one fifty-six. In a time where you know strikeout, he was striking out more batters than anybody. He was giving up less hits than everybody. He won three Cy Youngs and an MVP, and also a couple World Series in there as well, I believe. Yeah. And yeah, two World Series MVPs. Yeah. So Sandy Alcantara will never have a peak that good. If he does, that'd be insane. But I don't <laughs> think it's there's reason to have it happen. But for longevity purposes, could we be talk? Could we be having this discussion at some point? Yeah, and uh, one one stat I, I will say before I get into this is uh, Alcantara leads the MLB with 7.3 innings pitched per game started. 7.3, next best has 6.6. Was um, that Aaron Nola? It's actually uh, Joe Musgrove. That and then Aaron Nola is right behind him at 6.5. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, yeah, very interesting point because... Um, because yeah, like yeah, as you mentioned, he's not gonna have that same peak. Sandy Koufax's peak is it's yeah, it's one of the one of the best of all time. It's argue it's arguable between like his four year peak, Pedro's and like Randy Johnson's and maybe Greg Maddox's as well as like best peak of all time. However, yeah, Sandy Alcantara, I think he I think he has um, yeah, I think he has long capability of long-term success 
Uh, he throws pretty hard and, and usually guys who, you know, throw harder are going to have more longevity because they're going to throw harder for longer. And yeah, if he, if he keeps it up for a 10, 15 year pace um, where, you know, he's right now he's at a sub two ERA. Um, he's, he's been consistently a low three ERA guy. Um, and he has a two, five, four expected ERA. Um, but yeah, if he, if, well, if he keeps up a two, a sub two ERA for, and a low, like low twos. Sure. I, I think he could keep that up because he's getting what six wins above replacement a year or so. If he mm-hmm. does that for 10 years, that's 60. That's more than Sandy Koufax. Mm-hmm. Uh, you uh, know. Also some encouragement for long-term stability is that, you know, like we, you talked about how he throws hard. He consistently is in the hundreds. His most used pitch is not even his four seam fastball. It's his change up. Yeah. So, you know, that's something that, you know, you don't need to rely on velocity. You know, by the way, his change of this year is a 144 batting average against and 184 slugging. So that's been magnificent. A negative six launch angle against 27.3% put out rate. That is, that is absurd. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's just a case of like, um, I mean, I, I guess the question is not like whether he will sustain it or not. Um, so maybe I won't get into that, but I mean, uh, in terms of sustainable, like what, what type of years are you expecting from Sandy Alcantara in this theory? I think it's more based on what he's doing in comparison to the league. Like, I think the biggest storyline with him this season is that, you know, he is 123 in a third innings pitched. That's well above anybody else right now. Like he is kind of in a league of his own when it comes to longevity within specific games. Um, Because, you know, the point of the tweet was Sandy Koufax had 54 complete games over two years. Sandy Alcantara has two, which is the most this year. But, you know, it goes beyond just two complete games. It's the fact that he has been a certified workhorse more than anybody else this year. And it's the hypothetical, what if he stays doing that for, uh, a 15 year period. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so yeah, he's on pace for 240 innings or something like that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he threw 205 last year, which is one of the top in the league. Yeah. And last year, like in the American league, uh, no one touched 200 innings pitched. Um, I know in the national league, there were Corbin birds won the Cy Young with 165. <clears throat> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, excuse me. Um so you know, it's trending where 240 innings uh you know, that's not something we're going to look for or not not something we're going to expect out of anybody except for maybe Sandy Alcantara. We're like you know, he doesn't have to win the if you have innings production where you have like 30 more innings than the next best guy. Um, you don't need to be the ERA leader to win the Cy Young. You don't need to be the uh, the FIP leader to get Cy Young because mm-hmm. having that level of workload is can be more valuable and more impressive. Not saying that he can have like a three seven ERA and win Cy Young because of his his workload. However, like you know, if there's a difference in ERA of like point two, um, you know, he can go out. He he can win that. Um, 
he can win that Cy Young because of his because of uh because of his workload. And yeah, know, I mean, if, like if it goes if yeah, if it goes for 10 years um, where he's able to, you know, be the consistently like the leader in innings pitched and uh, and, you know, not run into any injury trouble, he could there could be a 10 year span where he has like over 100 more innings than any other guy. And uh, that that'll provide value. Just going into the Cy Young conversation, like you mentioned, like win the Cy Young because of your workload, like Zach Wheeler would have been that guy last year, but it literally took a generational FIP season from Corbin Burns, like a yeah. like legitimately a once in a lifetime type of FIP season from Corbin Burns, uh, for him to not win with a much larger workload. Yes, yeah, it, it like uh, yeah, and that was like when I was considering who I would vote for. Yeah, Zach Wheeler's workload, um, I considered greatly. And uh, mm-hmm. I think like Burns barely edged him out and Burns had a one, six, three fit. Um, so yeah, it, it obviously took a lot to um, to make up for like the 47 inning difference or so. And yeah, I think <clears throat> if Sa- Sandy Alcantara continues this, um, we could have that conversation with his season compared to like, um, maybe like Carlos Rodon this year um, yeah. who has a, who has a two, two, three fit this year. <clears throat> um, so we could see that consistently where um, because of his workload, he's a, you know, <clears throat> Cy Young finalist a lot. And uh, you know, that, that, that for a decade would be, um, would be uh, yeah, that would put him, you know, that would put him on a hall of fame track for sure. No doubt. But I mean, could have put him on a best pitcher named Sandy ever track. Uh, I don't know. It's hard because when you're like talking this... Sandy, you can't you can't bring up like his his counts his count statistics. No, you can't. Replacement. They might be tied in innings pitched. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> um, it it would take a lot. Um, no, I, this is not like would it happen. It's could we be in a case where we're having the discussion. Yeah, if if uh, if Sandy wins multiple Cy Youngs, sure, I'll I'll do that. Okay. So I mean, he could win one this year for sure. Um, I mean, at this point, it's his to lose. I know there's a whole lot of season left, and anything can happen at any given moment. But right now, that is his Cy Young award to lose. Yeah, and shout out to you because uh, you're on track for that to be correct. Yeah. There were a lot of NL pitchers to choose from, and you chose Sandy. <clears throat> um, oh, that's true. I did do that. Yeah. Um, before the season started. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the interesting discussion. Inter- I, I love a random, like, a nice random baseball question like that. Yeah. Um, what, what were your... What's your kind of internal monologue on this? I'd say, I mean, I think the probability that we're going to be actually having the discussion that Sandy Alcantara was better than Sandy Koufax is slim to none. Like it's going to take, I mean, he's 26 now. So if he does this for 10 years, he'd have to be leading the league at innings pitched at 36. Yeah. Uh, which is very hard. I think this is, you know, like I said, this is more of a question. Could there be an argument to be made 
And I think it's possible. Like, I think that's definitely uh, something we could be seeing by the year, you know, 2032. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's, yeah. Especially, I, I, like I said, I think it really depends on what he does in comparison to the rest of the league because, I mean, Sandy, Sandy Koufax was, you know, throwing 300 innings. He led the league in inning pitch twice, and they were only in his last two years. But, you know, it wasn't that outlandish to be throwing 335 and two-thirds innings in 1965. Yeah. But exactly. it is kind of outlandish to be throwing 240 innings today. And it's yeah. probably going even it's probably going to get even more obscure in the coming years. Oh yeah, exactly. With um, yeah, I mean, there's there's an abund there's a there's an abundance of pitchers who throw ninety seven regularly who are just random guys pitching in pitching in relief in the sixth inning. Um, you didn't have that mm-hmm. in uh, in nineteen sixty two. Um. For 1965 and 1966, when Sandy Koufax was in his final years, um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, that that's what makes it harder for pitchers to throw 230 innings in this uh, in this day and age. Yeah, it's an interesting topic for sure. Um, but yeah, multiple Cy Youngs from Sandy Alcantara uh, in the next 10 years. And still getting Cy Young votes in the other years, he's not winning the Cy Young. Sure, we could have that conversation. I'm yeah. I'm not opposed to Has it. Has he ever gotten Cy Young votes before? Um, that's a good question. He is not. No, he did lead in losses, so that is a big issue. Uh, he has a he has a twenty nine and thirty seven win loss record this year, or not this year, but in his career. Yeah, so, his 56 yeah, that's, decisions that's kind of a problem. Year. Or no, 66. <laughs> yeah, uh, in, in 17 starts. In 17 starts, he has 66 decisions. No, he's uh it's funny because he was six and fourteen in 2019. He was nine and fifteen last year with with over four uh strikeouts per walk and less than one home run per nine. Yeah, if you needed to know about that Miami offense, there you go. Yep. <laughs> they... He is nine and three this year though. Yeah, he should be. <laughs> I would hope. He has a 182 ERA. That reminds me of uh, Remember that conversation we had last year of like, oh, you know, at least Jacob deGrom six and two this year. And then we, we remembered, then, oh, he's a, like, he's actually, a that's, that's the worst you could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was about the worst he could be. Yeah. He had a 0.56 <laughs> ERA and he was still, he still he somehow lost. Somehow had two games. losses. <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah. that was tough um yeah that was a funny moment there's there's it's it's hard to mess that one up if you're the Mets and they kind of did a little bit yeah we, we determined that like some stat on like he had tied for the worst winning percentage in an eight in like an eight decision span with that low of an ERA or something like that makes sense it makes I mean sense, it's yeah. probably hard to factor in like relievers too though true yeah it's um, like relievers could easily have those kinds of stretches um, I guess if it's an eight decision stretch, then yeah. I think is... I might have included innings pitched or something like that. That's probably fair. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Let's. Uh, yeah, I might. I might. I might go back and re-listen to that. Uh, 
that episode that episode is probably in like the one it's it's literally titled six and two of the worst you could do oh yeah 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 so go, it'll be easy to find yeah go to yeah above replacement radio episode whatever six and two the worst you could do um it was probably was, around like may or june uh yeah for sure but definitely before he got injured um yes all right so uh now for players to highlight uh we will get into our friday july 8 2022 edition of what do you got for us today so last episode we both went with isak paredes and you mentioned there's some someone on the leaderboards you assumed i would do because you know i have some close relations with him yep uh and i texted you yesterday saying i, I think i found out who it was okay. and if it's not Josh Bell, then I don't know who you're yeah, thinking of. Yeah, it's Josh Bell. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Uh, I wrote 1,600 words about him over the winter, about how he hits too many ground balls. And this year, or not in this year, but since June 8th, he's slashing 351, 449, 691 for an 1140 OPS and 205 weighted runs created plus. Over that span, all of those lead except for his slugging in the National League. Reese Hoskins has him by three points in slugging. Uh, before this span, his ground ball rate on the season was 49.4%, and in this span, it is down to just 43.9%. That is a pretty significant de- uh, decrease. And where that decrease has gone is to better places, better pastures. Uh, additionally, his combined line drive and fly ball rates have risen by 9.9% during that span. And when he hits line drives and fly balls, uh, he is batting 643 with a 1429 slugging percentage. Uh, That batting average ranks fourth and the slugging percentage ranks eighth among the 213 hitters with at least 50 batted balls since June 8th. And he also started out the season struggling against off-speed pitches. He was hitting just 264 against them with a 377 slugging. And now in the span, he is hitting a 440 with an 800 slugging uh, on, on off-speed pitches. And that is also on the most batted balls against off-speed pitches in the league over that time. So that means that pitchers still haven't adjusted. Yeah. Uh, Josh Bell. How about that? Um, by the way, free agent after this year. Will he should definitely be on the trade market? The Nationals, it, it would be. I mean, yeah, he's definitely going to be like, I will praise Mike Rizzo a lot. I think he's one of the better GMs in the sport. I know that you know his team has been one of the worst in the majors since 2020, but if you think about it, um, you know, DC is a big market, but it's not a big market, right? It's not New York, it's not Chicago, LA, yeah, like it's second tier, it's yeah, it's a second tier market but this is the first time since the early 2010s that the nationals have been bad like since 2012 they've been 500 every year up until 2019 obviously when they won the world series yeah yeah um so yeah you know time to sell off some pieces and i mean exactly like it's just been a rough patch they had a i mean it's tough to develop when you have a later pick every single year. Um, and right. unfortunately, some of their prospects just haven't panned out when you look at like Carter Keyboom, uh, most specifically Victor Robles. Yeah. Guys that just haven't really figured it out at the major league level quite yet. Um, yeah. But, you know, they do have one Soto, and that's worked out quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, of course, um, 
you know, they invested heavily in Patrick Corbin and Steven Strasburg. <laughs> you know, they've they've been to be fair, Corbin did win them a World Series. Yeah, for sure. But like it's it's like uh, that is a very comp when that contract is said and done, it'll have a very complicated legacy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The Stras the Strasburg deal, like I saw a tweet where it was like uh, Mike Rizzo having to pick between re-signing Anthony Rendon and Steven Strasburg is like uh, playing Russian roulette, but there's a hundred percent chance you're getting shot. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you had to, you had to do one of them and both ended up flopping miserably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oddly enough, like I, I didn't expect that there was no sign that that was going to be, that that was really going to be bad. Like, Especially with Rendon. Yeah. Like, yeah. Rendon seemed to be getting better with age. He seemed he reminded me a lot of like Adrian Beltre. Right, yeah. And he was he was like 30 going into that contract. Injuries are just caught up to him with the Angels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like um and Stra- you know, Strasburg had consistently been like a low three ZRA guy. And he did have break out a lot of guys. Some injury history, but it had been sort of removed. Yeah, you know, he had that Tommy John surgery early in his career and um, maybe a little bit like in the 2016, 17 or, or some, you know, around that time. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't, bl- yeah, I can't blame him for signing Strasburg and Corbin, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit Corbin, but the Corbin one, you know, he won game seven of the world series. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, Josh Bell, uh, he's uh going to be one of the more valuable bats on the market um all right my how about that is uh let me introduce him um my how about that uh he actually kind of had a similar start to his season last year except he's doing better peripherally right now um and uh we you know there's a you know this team is, is having some Valuable pitchers probably coming back to the rotation. One has already come back. One is probably going to come back in the next month. Um, but he, this guy particularly has been kind of, le- you know, carrying the rotation a little bit um, in their absences. And that is Taiwan Walker, uh, who in his last five starts has a 2-2-5 ERA, a 2-0-2 FIP, and a 23.8% strikeout minus walk rate in 32 innings pitched uh also in the span he ranks fifth in f4 and fifth in fip out of 72 qualifiers we mentioned that 202 fip that's very very good also he's allowed only one home run in this span and his ground ball rate has gone from 46.8 percent before the span to 56.4 percent in this span um it's a very, very, uh, very good ground ball rate. Um, uh, very good change there. Also, his barrel rate has gone from 7.8% to 3.8% in the span. And uh, a big change that Taiwan Walker made from uh, last year to this year is his, the usage of his splitter. Uh, his splitter usage has gone from 14.2% last year to 28.7% uh, this year. And uh, his, his splitter is working very well this year. In his last five starts, particularly, 
hitters are slugging 128 off that splitter. Um, and, you know, that's maybe a reason to uh, have a little more hope for Taiwan Walker this year where, you know, maybe he doesn't crash the same way he did uh, in the second half of last year. He's made some adjustments and uh, working out great really for him. So Taiwan Walker. Um, all right. So that brings us to that brings us from the highs to the lows. We're talking to players and subjects have been underperforming for our Friday, July 8th, 2022 edition of slightly alarming. Who do you got for us today? I actually have a, uh, a full season sample for this slightly alarming. Ooh. Yeah. I'm looking at Herman Marquez, ah. uh, who just has not had it this season. Uh, he has a 590 ERA and a 508 FIP. And last year, he had reverse splits. He had a 367 ERA at home, but this year it's up to 7.7, 7.17 uh, at Coors Field. That is the highest of any qualified starter at home by nearly two runs. And much of the concern for him this year has come on his four-seam fastball, which was primarily his, his most used pitched. Uh, he threw it 45% of the time last year. He's only throwing it 30% of the time this year. And there's good reason to see why, because – the launch angle has risen by seven degrees. It's gone from three to uh, 10 degrees. Hitters are batting 374 against it this year with a 636 slugging. Uh, and also, most concerningly, he has not been deceptive at all. It is the second lowest whiff rate, which is at 7.8%, and the second worst put away percent at 5% among the 193 pitchers that have had, that have had at least 100 plate appearances against. Uh, he's just not getting you know swings and misses at all. Uh, and when he's getting hit, it's getting hit loud. He has one effective pitch this year, which has been his curveball, which is the fourth most used pitch of his at 20.1%. Uh, all four of the others have a slugging percentage above 545. And there is a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel because he has started throwing his chain or his uh, sinker a bit more uh, in the last month or so. It's still definitely a work in progress because, like I said, it's one of the pitches that has a 545 slugging against or higher. But, you know, he's working on it. Uh, I think this adjustment period for Marquez is going to be uh, one where we see how much he has left in him, which is weird because he's probably the best pitcher in that franchise's history. Yeah, yeah, it can definitely be argued that way. Uh, Herman Marquez. Slightly alarming. Um, my slightly alarming is... Uh, Coming from a team that I guess, yeah, over the last month has been uh, has been slightly alarming. I'm talking about Jared Walsh, who uh, has been abysmal in his last 12 games. Uh, in his last 12 games, he's hitting 140 with a 299 OPS and a negative 21 weighted runs created plus. Uh, in this span, out of 177 qualifiers, his average ranks sixth worst. Uh, his OBP ranks worst. His slugging percentage is the worst. OPS is the worst. Wager runs created plus is the worst. And he has the worst F4 in this 12 game span. Been really rough for him. Uh, in this 12 game span, he has one walk and uh, zero extra base hits. Uh, his strikeout rate is 36.4%, um, which is especially bad considering he has one walk in the span, which is a 2.3% rate. Uh, so, you know, you know, if you, if, uh, if there was a pitcher with his strikeout minus walk rate, it would be absurd. It would be crazy. Um, 
But uh, yeah, his strikeout rate is 36.4%, which is fourth highest out of those 177 qualifiers. Also, uh, when he hits the ball, um, it's not great. Before the spin, his average exit velocity was 91.7 miles per hour and his hard hit rate was 46%. But in this span, his average exit velocity is 85.1 miles per hour and his hard hit rate is 30%. Uh, also, his average exit velocity in this span ranks 16th lowest out of 208 players with 25 plus batted balls in this 12 game span. And uh, along with that, his ground ball rate has gone from 45.1% to 55.6% in this span. So, uh, you know, Jared Walsh, he's a, he's a power hitter. He's, uh, you know, almost had, I think, I think he almost had 30 home runs last year or he had 30 home runs somewhere around there. Um, So him hitting the ball softer and on the ground, uh, not a good sign. So nothing, nothing's working for him. He's got a negative one, negative 21 weighted runs created plus in a, in a uh, in a 12 game span for those unaware the average weight of runs created plus is 100 so he's uh he's 121 percent worse than uh than average in this 12 game span having a rough one uh jared walsh slightly alarming yeah i mean there was always a slightly alarming with him just on his ability to hit lefties or lack thereof i believe he had like a sub 600 ops against him last season Yes. And over the offseason, I believe there was talk of platooning him. But at this point, I mean, what are, you know, how short is that leash? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, he, I think his season overall in, in his season overall OPS plus is like still over 100. But like, but yeah, I mean, 103 uh, in a season with low offense. Yeah. Um, and he's not like a defensive star either. No. So, but you know, angel, angels don't have too many other options. So I think that's part of the reason why he, you know, sticks around, mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, um, that, uh, <laughs> yeah, having, OBP, that's bad. Yeah. He's having a rough, he's having a rough 12 game stretch and yeah, only you mentioned the OBP, you know, only one walk in his last 12 games. Um, and that walk was yesterday. So he went 11 games without a walk. Um, so yeah, um, that, uh, that does it for players to highlight. We'll get into some series to watch. Um, we'll, we'll get into a preview of the weekend ahead. I will get into series to watch. Daniel will get into, uh, the day by day pitching matchups. Um, so, uh, series to watch, um, we have the rivalry. It's the Red Sox. It's the Yankees. It's at Fenway park, the oldest ballpark in the world. They, they played each other at in the first game in that ballpark in April of 1912, when they were the Highlanders and the, and the Red Sox had Babe Ruth and they sold them to the Yankees so that they had so that harry frazee could could fund his play and it flopped do you guys remember that that's <laughs> that's a fun story uh they're playing that's a four game series uh the yankees beat them six to five last night um you know division implications i don't know i yankees are winning the al east i don't know what to say uh yeah. so 
you know, it's just can the Yankees keep the Red Sox from a wild card spot? I don't know. Maybe that's the storyline. Um, and then I don't know. There's there's series to watch. I'm looking right now. I'm searching. There's not a ton. Not a whole lot. Uh, Padres yeah. Giants. Um, that should be a good one. Like the Giants need to get back on track, and uh, it might be kind of hard when they're at Petco Park. Um, and then Mariners Blue Jays, I suppose, is interesting. Actually, yeah, that's a good. That's an interesting one because, yeah, Blue Jays are underperforming. They should be doing better. Uh, Mariners are surging. We kind of mentioned. We kind of prefaced that a little bit uh, last episode, but the Mariners are surging. Um, they've. they've I believe they're at five hundred now. They're at 500 after yeah. being, you said 10 games below, like yep. not that long ago. Yeah, um, they were left for dead. Yeah, so Mariners, Blue Jays, I, I, I would expect the Mariners to do well in that series considering the trends of, of those two teams. And then uh, I guess Cardinals, Phillies, uh, what are they Sunday night again? No, it's Red Sox, Yankees. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. We do have a, yeah, I'll get into that. Um, <laughs> we do tonight. Is it tonight? Yeah, tonight for matchups, we got a uh, a rematch of Zach Wheeler versus Adam Wainwright. That was a Sunday night matchup last week. Yeah, that's uh, all the series I have to watch. You can get into the day-by-day matchups. Yeah, so on Friday, which is tonight, Pablo Lopez and Chris Bassett will face each other in Marlins Mets at City Field. Um, Nestor Cortez will face the Red Sox tonight for the Yankees. Charlie Morton will be facing the Nationals for the Braves at Truist. Uh, this is a cool matchup. We got a uh, Sonny Gray versus John Gray in Twins Rangers. We love that. Yeah, we do. A couple of guys on new teams, even though the season's three months old. We got uh, <laughs> Brady Singer facing the Guardians for the Royals at Kaufman against Aaron Savali. Tarvik Skubal versus uh, Lucas Giolito. That's an interesting matchup in uh, Tigers White Sox at Guaranteed Right Field. Uh, Aaron Ashby will be facing the Pirates for the Brewers. He's been – he has, like, a really bad – I think he's, like, an ADRA in his last four starts, but it's mostly based on misfortune, so that's interesting mm. to me. Uh, Chad Cool and Zach Allen will face each other in Rockies Diamondbacks, and Jose Arquiti will face the A's tonight for the Astros. Uh, Blake Snell will face the Giants tonight for the Padres. Keegan Thompson and Tyler Anderson are facing each other in Cubs-Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. And matchup of the night comes from the uh, much-anticipated matchup of Rays Reds from Great American Ballpark. It'll be Shane McClanahan versus Luis Castillo. Yeah, I, I saw that on the on, <laughs> on the docket, and I was like, I mean, the the team matchups, like, who cares? But I mean, that is a great <laughs> pitching matchup. Yeah, for sure. It's um, definitely going to be one nothing Rays. Yeah, on a home run too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> On Saturday, we have Kyle Gibson facing the Cardinals for the Phillies in St. Louis. Uh, Patrick Sandoval versus Dean Creamer in Angels-Orioles. Creamer's uh, been having a very ERA-guided season, I guess, is the, the nice way to put it. Um, <laughs> another funny. guy who's having an ERA-guided season, Devin Smeltzer, will be facing Martin Perez oh, yeah. in Twins, Twins Rangers. Fran Valdez will be facing the uh, A's for the Astros in the Coliseum. Uh, Kyle Freeland versus Madison Bumgarner will be facing each other in a 2017 Classic, <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, Tristan McKenzie, who pitched magnificently for the guardians will be facing the Royals at Kaufman Saturday. 
Uh, he pitched against the Yankees Sunday through uh, seven one-hit innings, I believe. Uh, Hunter Green will be facing the Rays for the Reds on Saturday. Uh, Patrick Corbin versus Kyle Wright in Nats Braves. Braxton Garrett, who pitched well last time out on July 4th, will be facing Carlos Carrasco. And, uh, okay, Zach Thompson will be facing Brandon Woodruff. I believe that'll be Thompson's return from the IL on Saturday in Pirates Brewers. That's matchup of the night, so I'll save that. Clayton Kershaw will be facing the Cubs at Dodger Stadium. There's a lot of talk over if he should be an all-star or not, which is interesting. And matchup of the night comes from uh, Giants-Padres. That'll be Carlos Rodon versus Yu Darvish. All right. Sounds great. Yes. And on Sunday, uh, it will be Ian Anderson facing the Braves or facing the Nationals for the Braves uh, at Truist Park. Shane Boz and Nick Lodolo will face each other in Rays Reds. That's an intriguing matchup. Um, Zach Rankin is different ages with the same name. But different spellings will be facing each other. A lot, lot, lot to take in there. Uh, Michael Kopech will be facing the Tigers for the White Sox at guaranteed rate. He's been kind of struggling a little bit lately. Jose Quintana versus Eric Lauer in the battle of lefties that should not be this good. <laughs> um, Andre Palanti will be facing the Phillies for the Cardinals. He's an interesting guy. Uh, Dylan Bundy versus Dane Dunning will be facing each other in Twins Rangers. Jake Odoris, lately learning, will be facing the Diamondbacks in Chase Field. Uh, Julio Arias will be facing the Cubs for the Dodgers. Alex Wood and Mackenzie Gore will be facing each other in Giants Padres. Jamison Tyon and Nick Pavetta will face each other in Sunday Night Baseball in Yankees Red Sox. And matchup of the day comes from Marlins Mets. It is Sandy Alcantara versus Taiwan Walker, two pitchers that got a lot of attention in this show. Yeah, very true. Very true. Uh, both uh, both very much trending in the right direction. Um, so, yeah, that should do it for this installment of Above Replacement Radio. Uh, first off, I guess... If you enjoy us talking about baseball, um, go listen to us on the NECBL podcast. Um, you know, it, we're we're uh, we're interning there. We're doing a podcast for uh, for the NECBL. So, you know, give it give it a give it a nice rating if if you're listening and uh, and give it give it some listens to let let the uh, let the bosses know we we you know getting a little traction with that uh with that podcast so it's a it's a little more difficult to do because we don't have the vast knowledge that we have on the uh on the mlb so um but yeah it's uh it's it's uh it's it a one. quite the resources yeah yeah no uh well i don't know they're they're uh little inside info they're they're giving us more uh, track man data which is yeah funny. i mean we got we got the resources but not yeah these ones we don't unfortunately there's not an NACBL savant that is quite yeah. as intricate as right mlbs but that's all right we're making do with what we have yeah yeah um also uh if you uh if you're listening on apple podcast or spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens or uh watch some uh some shorter clips go to the youtube channel it is called above replacement radio uh, also, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta and follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Kern and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio. We hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you on next Tuesday 
where we, where we will be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. See you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.